0: Hello and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk Podcast. I'm Tanya.
1: And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 118. Today we'll be talking about setting students up for success in the music room. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from the week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, share a work smarter, not
0: harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying in or out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started.
1: So now it's time to share some highs and lows. And we've actually been with students now for almost two weeks, so we have some specific things to share. So Tanya, what would you like to say?
0: Wow. Um, Yeah, it's been two weeks, and it's been a whirlwind. And I am really settling in and very happy to see students, some of whom I actually taught last year at this school, but most of whom I have not. And I'm just gonna just generally, it's been a real high because it's just so fun to, um, as you get to know students in the morning before school starts, when I'm out on duty, or even in the hallway when kids are like, oh, hi, Miss Lejeune, and they, and they start to know who I am. Um, and that's just a big high. Um, and also for me to know these kids and like I work hard on calling everybody by their name if, I, if I've got it, if I know it I'm in the hallway, I'm just, you know, I sound ridiculous, but I'm just making sure I say hi all to all the kids. And, um, it's just been great to get to know these kids because we're going to be together all year and then on. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. What about you? Well, kind
1: of the same, but also kind of different. So Tanya already knows my tale of woe, but I'll share it for the world. Um, I got COVID and the timing was horrible. Um, I mean it's never good, but i I saw all of my classes once I saw them each one day, and then I was going to start seeing my class for their second rotation, and boom, that's when I tested positive for covid um so I've been out of school today was actually my first day back, and so if my voice sounds a little tired now you know why um yeah it was it was not fun to be home and obviously be ill and I mean, I was lucky in that, you know, my symptoms were fairly mild compared to other stories I've heard for sure. So I'm lucky that I'm healthy for the most part and I'm getting back to it. But obviously that really put a wrench in my whole plans of getting to know kids because I just got to know them and then boom, I was gone. I'm also, I'm very lucky in that the school that I'm teaching at, the teacher that was there previously retired and she came back and subbed for me and I was so, uh, so indebted to her because you know that's that's hard I think emotionally to leave a job I mean she told me she would come back and sub later this year but neither she or I thought it would be it was literally still the first week of school that she came back um so anyways, yeah, that that's hard because I didn't want that to bring up any weird feelings for her or the kids. But I will say, I mean, she is so, she's handled it so gracefully and I came back today and the kids had nothing but great things to say about seeing her and then having me back. Like it wasn't weird. It wasn't like, oh man, I wish that we had her or she wasn't, they weren't weird to her about missing me. You know, it was just all like, the, the comments that I heard was, we just wish we could have both of you all the time. <laughs> so I think that's the the best way it could have gone. I, and I'm just so thankful to her that she stepped in and I didn't even have to write lesson plans. She just came in and just did her thing. And it was oh, amazing. Oh, that's so
0: great. When you yeah. Like when
1: you I had some is. of my favorite like beginning of the school you know get to know each other community building books kind of sitting out and I said feel free to read any of those books. Here are some you know games that we played on the very first day of school, and she reviewed some of those and then she did some other stuff with them that's like perfect beginning of the year stuff because she is a pro and she knew what she was doing so all in all I mean obviously it was a low but it could have been much worse, I'm happy to be back but. Um, I'm definitely feeling the burn of, oh gosh, I I feel like I've barely started with these kids and I kind of felt like I was starting over again today, but it is what it is and onward and upward. Exactly.
0: And now it's time for our main theme. So um, we're gonna be talking about setting students up for success in the music room. And we know at the beginning of the year for anybody teaching, you really have to set up procedures, how we do things here. Um, And Carrie and I are big fans of doing things as musically as possible as we are doing these things because, you know, we're in the music room. And so some of the procedures and routines that we are going to touch on and talk about how we are Approaching those are um, assigned seats, making a circle, finding a movement partner, going to instruments or passing out instruments, rest position at instruments, putting away instruments, getting attention for the whole class, a bathroom signal meaning from the student, uh, a question signal from the student, a drink signal, a turn and talk procedure, lining up, and line leader if, if you got one. Yeah. All
1: right. And, you know, Tanya, we were talking off mic a little bit and you said, you know, since both of us are, in new schools, you know, we're having to think of these routines and procedures maybe a little bit more than you might if you're just returning at the same school and you have the same group of kids walking in, just a grade level higher, and it's kind of like, okay, you remember me, you remember how this works, let's let's go. Um, I will say at the schools that I have been at traditionally, even though I was at the same school for multiple years, I still had quite a high turnover. So I did feel like I still, even at the same school year after year, I felt like I really needed to touch on those routines and procedures And let's be honest, all kids need the review. So I think whether you're in the position of being at a new school or the same school, it's still important to think about these and think about the process in which you're gonna teach these routines and procedures. Mm -hmm. And I always say that I wanna make sure I'm gonna get to all of these things within like my first four lessons. I'm not gonna get to everything. Some of these things will just come up as needed. So if I don't address the bathroom signal in the very first class, If it comes up, then I'll address it. If not, it'll
0: uh, come up during the very I know, that one generally
1: does. But, you know, finding a movement partner, maybe we're not going to do that on day one. But by day two or day three, we're probably going to be doing finding some partner in some way. So anyways, you just got to think about when you're going to teach these and how. So that's what we're going to talk
0: about now. Yes. And I think it's also completely appropriate to plan some activities for the explicit reason of teaching, like, passing out instruments for example, yeah. like the very first instrument thing that I did with little kids, um, with the kindergarten's first grade are, is not something that I'm really going to focus on for any musical contact context, but because I mean, there is musical context, of course, but it was mostly that, okay, I want them. I know they're excited because they're in the music room and they see the instruments. I want them to have the experience of the instruments. And we also want to learn how this goes. So my main purpose of teaching this song and game is for these instrument pass outs. Okay. So let's go back and talk about assigned seats and how we're dealing with that. I know that you and I are very similar in that I have colored dots on the floor. I have a hard floor now, and I used, um, cricket laminate and made ovals and put them on the floor. I've got five rows of colored dots, red, yellow orange green and blue yep and i do assign seats from the very beginning um usually it goes boy girl boy girl boy girl for better or worse um i that's been pretty successful i'd have known music teachers who have said okay kids as long as you're doing well and and following rules and being respectful you can pick your seat and that's never worked for me
1: Um, I say that, but I will say that I'm not necessarily (laughs) truthful with the kids, because here's what I do, especially in a situation like this year where I don't know the kids at all. So I let them on the first day or two or maybe even three, let them choose their own seats because inevitably they're going to sit by their friends. And I do tell them that if they can handle it, they might still end up sitting by their friends. That doesn't mean that they are picking their seats for the year, but I start to see which kids actually work really well together and which kids cannot handle being together and then I build their assigned seats based on what I've been noticing. So I take notes throughout the class of, you know, so and so and so and so -so definitely can't handle it. But so and so and so and so -so actually work really well together. And that's actually a good pair that's really supporting both of their needs in whatever way. Um, So I actually do wait and I don't give out assigned seats until usually lesson three or four because I just want to see how it plays out and um, when I do end up making my assigned seats I kind of end up making mine generally kind of boy boy girl girl or three boys that I, I try to clump them a little bit better um, I find that that just has worked well with with my kids and they feel like maybe they they kind of have a buddy in that way not that we're saying you have to gender everything in your classroom obviously we know that's not the goal but we also know that kids tend to gravitate you know especially in certain grade levels towards kiddos that they can relate to in that way so anyways that's kind of what I've what's worked well for me in that way
0: yeah I understand um it's just not been like I've not seen all of my students but I've seen two-thirds of them and so far no one has really given me any grief about where I have put them and honestly it was super easy for me to do my seating charts before I met the kids cuz I don't know these That's kids true. And, and
1: then you tell them that it's isn't based on anything it's just random
0: Exactly and we're honestly in our our dot spots so little of the time that yeah. it's not a big deal and when they are in those dot spots it's usually because I need their focus like up on the board and then there might be like a small group activity or a turn and talk situation. And when we do turn and talk, well, we'll get, we'll talk about that. It's not always the person next to you. So right, yeah, so it hasn't been an issue and uh, it, you've got a great approach because that's nice to give them if, if you have students who like, oh, I need the comfort of, of this kid or they work well together, I, I totally get that. But I don't have a specific musical activity for getting them in their seats, do you?
1: Uh no, I mean I will say like the first time. This is specifically for kindergarten and first grade. I have them come into the room instead of just coming in and sitting them in a spot or telling them pick a spot. I sing a little song that I learned from when we used to teach music garden back in the day, uh. Tanya. And it goes, follow, 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 follow me. Let's make a line for all to see. And they follow me into the room while I sing that song, and then we end up. At actually in a circle. So I do have the lines in my room, but I also have a second set of dots in a big circle around the room. And they're just all black dots. So visually, it's very clear. These are our rows and then this is our circle. So then they follow me in, we're walking on the circle. And then I'll say now let's stop and sit down, please. Or even before we sit, I have them chant back to me, this is my spot. This is my spot, my very ah. own spot, my very own spot. I will sit here for today. And then we sit crisscross applesauce. And so it kind of gets them to their spot. But again, that's just kindergarten and first grade. And that's only the first couple lessons. By the second lesson or third lesson, we might be marching into engine, engine number nine or coming into a different song. But that's kind of my first song to get them into the room.
0: That is so funny that you mentioned that because with kindergarten, first grade, I did the exact same thing. Oh, (laughs) Um, where I made them. We first came in like they don't know me at all. And I actually acquired an alphabet rug. And it's a a shape of an oval. It's not really a circle. Um, One of the first grade teachers didn't was getting rid of it. And so I inherited that. And it really is is living on the side of the room right now. It's kind of like the cozy corner reading area right now yeah. but for kindergarten and first grade on the very first day I just drug it into the middle of the room and um, that's a great little song I'm I sing come and follow me in a line in a line come and follow me in a line which I don't know I think I might have made that up um, <laughs> that's lovely and they follow me and then we just go around and then um, we sit down and we do our first half of the very first music class in that circle Um, and then we're moving around the room and then they leave and then the very next day the rug is pushed over where it's going to live permanently and I say oh and now we're coming in and I'll tell you where your spot is
1: Oh, okay so easy
0: so speaking of making a circle yeah um, that's another procedure I have a circle song and I know I've sung it oh my goodness am I gonna have to write this up
1: Maybe. Um, or people can absolutely. dictate by listening, time. Oh, yeah. What, what
0: a good that? exercise would that be <laughs> for you to just write it and stick it <laughs> right now. So I don't know. I think I got this from my cooperating teacher a very long time ago. And when kids are in their spots in a line facing the front of the room, if they hear, Let's make a circle round and fat. Let's make a circle just like that. The idea is they have to be in the circle by the end of that song. And I've also practiced that, Hey, your circle spot is closest to where you are already. So if you are on the blue dots, which is closest to the front of the room, all you have to do is face the back of the room. If you're on the red dots, you are already in that circle. Oh, if you're on the edges, you're actually already into your circle spot. And it's only the people who are in the very center of our little, you know, five line grid that have to just scoop back so that they're in the circle. And the reason I do like this is because there can be a lot of confusion when we're making a circle because we'll have students who are like, oh, I want to be right by my friend. Oh, but no, I want to be by my friend with my other friend. And like they take forever dragging their friends all over the place to find the perfect circle spot. And there's a lot of boy half circle and girl half of the circle but I'm not a fan of.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, So that's why I really, we do practice it going from a circle or going from our, our line, our dot spot to a circle and then back again, because I do have a go back to your dot song that goes, Such a finding your spot. I never did see such a finding your spot. I never did see such a finding your spot. Never did see such a finding your spot. You can't catch me. Which, again, I don't know what that's Say the word slower. Such a finding. Such a finding your spot. It's just Such a finding your spot? uh Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Such a finding (laughs) your spot. Okay, so with third grade on up, I don't sing those songs. Sure, yeah. With uh, fourth, third, fourth, fifth we purple soup it which i heard is now a go noodle but um i, I got this, this from uh,
1: purple soup
0: we're making a purple soup up up a soup up up we're making a purple scooby dooby dooby do with purple potatoes and purple tomatoes and you and on the word you you got to be pointing to somebody in the circle if you are pointing to the same person who is pointing back at you you switch spots Oh. I know. It's just a goofy little like Okay. If they hear that,
1: they make a circle.
0: They make a circle and mm-hmm. they make the, their circle closest to where they already are, but at the end and you they're pointing to somebody and if they happen to be pointing to the same person that's pointing back at them, then they switch spots.
1: And I just want to clarify when you're talking about your circle songs for both the younger and the older, this is teaching them how to make circles the first couple of times, not necessarily the song you're going to sing every single time you make a circle for the rest of the year, because you might be making the circle while you're singing the song that you're about to play the game for, correct?
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, just
1: wanted to make that clear that it's not like we're going to stop singing apple tree, sing let's make a circle no, around no, 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 that no. and then play the game for apple tree. You're yeah. going to then teach them to make yes. the circle by the time you finish singing apple tree or whatever. When
0: whenever possible, I do have much more smooth transitions. Well, of course, I just yes. wanted to say it out loud just yes, to make sure no. that it was. Well, clear. that's a good clarifying thing. Yeah. Here's what usually happens when those specific songs I'm using, when I'm using those songs. It's because we've been I don't know, looking up at the board and maybe practicing, let's say we've been practicing rhythms out of, out of context of a specific song. Yeah. Right. Um, or maybe we've been having a discussion about, we've been listening to this music from Guatemala, right? And now we're changing gears. And um, if it's a known song, yeah, I could start singing apple tree and then make a motion that we're making a circle. Right. Which is really effective. Yeah. But if they've never heard Apple Tree and I start, it's very Pavlovian. Once they've learned these yeah. circle songs, that I can go, um, let's make a circle. And they just start going. Sure. Right.
1: And it's, it's and, the understanding that you should be in a circle by the time this is done, this song is done, this chant yes. is done, whatever. Exactly. That, that will carry them through to different literature throughout the year. But understanding that it needs to happen quickly and orderly, and boom, you're there.
0: Right. And it doesn't take too long before kids start singing with me.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Is the know. other
0: thing. And and this is in the whole sphere of let's be as musical as we can, as much as we can during the music class. Right? So where they might be in their classroom, in their homeroom, and the teacher might say, let's make a circle by the count of 10. Right? Yeah. That's fine if for a different classroom but we're in music so why not if we can sing a tiny bit more and if they'll join in then let's make it musical Yep. um also sometimes that i'll set them up in the same key of the song that we're going to be doing
1: exactly yeah. yeah what about you
0: with the circles
1: well i i mean i cheated and i i decided i was going to have separate dots you know Um, I observed um, these kids last year at the school that I'm at now, um, and there were just some routines that I knew that I wanted to tighten up, and making circles quickly was one of them, and I thought, you know, there are hills that I don't want to die on, and that was one of them, and I thought, I I just really like the idea of having a permanent circle. I knew I was going to have fairly large classes. I'm like... At kind of an average of 27, 28, which for me is big. I know for some people they're like, what? Well, that's normal. But I'm coming from a school where I'm used to classes of 20 or less most of the time. So for me, the adjustment of large classes, I was like, I just want to set circles. So I decided to have a different color of sit spots, but I'm still getting them used to by the time I'm finished singing be on one of the black dots and then boom, we're in a circle. We're still having to adjust. So like my second grade class is smaller than most. So when they, cause I have 30 black dot circles and there's only like 23 of them. So because of the gaps, we're having to learn how to then, okay, now that we see where the circle is step in one step and we're in a circle, that's a good size for what we're playing. So I, I'm still having to teach them about spacing and finding, I'm calling it the just right size. You know, just right size, we're not too squished. We're not too spread apart. You know, so apple tree, I keep saying it, but that was one of the first games we played where we passed a plastic apple around on the steady beat. And we learned through that game how to shrink the circle in a way that while you're shrinking the circle, you're not squishing, you're not throwing the apple over a big old space that we're shrinking the circle while we play. So that was specifically chosen to teach them how to shrink the circle from the established circle that we
0: started on. Right. If that makes sense. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. well okay along with that what about finding a partner in a song or for movement tell us how you go about that well there's i mean lots of different approaches
1: to this totally depends on the grade level obviously but um you know i'm going to teach that through specific songs and games so one really great example of um is ickle, uh, blue, battlefishes in the sea. If you want a partner, please choose me. So in that game, students are walking kind of double circle side by side, either join hands or hands on shoulders, however you want with a partner. And then at the end, you break away and then you quickly find a new partner and you know, mania ensues. Well, hopefully not too much. But the idea is that very first time we're standing in a circle and I say, turn and face a partner and they turn and they face a partner. Well, it's not gonna work out perfectly. Someone's gonna kind of be left out without a partner. So then I teach them right away. If you don't have a partner, raise your hand, look for someone else who has a partner. Oh, you are now partners. One of you walk over to the other person. So that's something that I try to teach. I would say from second grade on Um, first grade, there might need a little bit more. Like I actually kind of gently tap their shoulders and say, turn to this partner, turn to this partner, turn to this partner the first time we face a partner. but. icle kind of my go-to for younger students for first grade. The first time we do a, an activity where we turn and face a partner is two, four, six, eight, meet me at the garden gate. Um, If I'm late, don't wait, two, four, six, eight, which I play kind of like a bow-wow-wow wow type game. I think I just made it up, but, you know, where they're facing a partner, and at that one point, they trade places, and they turn around, and they're facing a new partner. Yeah. So, you know, I start with those kind of games, too, where they, they're used to, your partner's going to change a lot, too. Like, that's something they have to get used to from a young exactly. age. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, for older kids, sorry, I'll just say one more thing. I'm probably saying all the things you're going to say. Um, you know, especially if we're finding a partner for a dance. So let's say we're gonna do Sasha and we're scattered around the room. Um, I teach my kids, and this is something that I believe the Amadons you know, taught us in one of their workshops that I teach the kids to ask the question, will you be my partner? And then I teach the kids, it's okay to say, no, thank you, not today. And it's okay to say no, because what we tend to see is the same kids always wanting to be partners with the same kids. And I think it's important that kids have the freedom to say no, we all should have the freedom to say no, you do so in a way that doesn't hurt feelings. And so, will you be my partner? Yes, thank you. You're ready to go, you're facing your partner. No, thank you, not today. Oh, go find somebody else. And, you know, similar to, you know, finding a partner around the circle, raise your hand if you don't have a partner, everyone should have a partner by the time I sing down from five and I might sing five, four, three, two, one, and they have a partner, those kind of things. So there are times where they actually do ask and they say yes or no.
0: Okay. What about you, Tanya? <laughs> That's funny because I—I I guess I do remember the Amadon saying that, but um, I actually don't follow that philosophy.
1: Well, and I might have put my own twist on it. I don't know. I know no, that asking I, I, important.
0: I say, yeah. Find a, when you find a partner. Like, let's say we're doing Sasha because I did do Sasha this past week, and we're we're scattered around and go to a partner that you haven't been partners with before. If you don't have a partner, raise your arm, but there's two steps. You gotta raise your arm in the air and then also look around. If someone else is raising their arm, you now go to that person. Move your feet. (laughs) And you are partners. Um, And then we have a tiny little conversation about, does that mean that you have to like text this person after school no does that mean that you have to like meet up with them and go to the movies this weekend no so i don't let people say no i mean i've never it's never come to blows Right. Well,
1: right. And I, I mean, like, that part is really quick. Like, if you end yeah. up, you're, you're the last two people and you don't have partners, then you're partners. There is no no at that point. And right. don't worry, because your partner is going to change anyway. Well, and
0: that's the point, is yeah. that I say, you know, this is just your partner for the next, not even a minute, like, seconds. Exactly. Um, I just worry. I see sometimes specific kids who get ostracized, who don't right. get partners. And so... I mean, I, I don't make a big deal of, of pointing out specific kids ever um, when it comes to making partners, but I, I teach them, especially when they're younger, that if someone asks to be your partner, the answer is yes. Huh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I think I've yeah. seen it where that kid who's often ostracized also has that go-to kid that they always go to, who's always that kid who is kind. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And there might be times where maybe kid B starts to get kid fed up with kid A, and rightfully so. So I feel like maybe they should be able to say, no, I don't want to be your partner right now because maybe you did something earlier that bothered me. So I don't really want to be your partner. I mean, I don't know. I feel like me as an adult, like, would kind of like to have that choice of <laughs> who my partner is. But I understand that staff meetings, we don't always get that choice either. I don't know. It's a, yeah. it's a slippery slope. You got to find what works for you. But I'll tell yeah. you, working with the challenging populations that I've worked with, the no thank you, not today usually is a good solution. And honestly, most kids don't say no. But just knowing that they have the option.
0: Well, what so. happens if there's a no thank you, not today, and that's it? Like, they're the last two people. well then they
1: have to be partners this is what i'm saying when it comes down to it that you just sometimes you might not get to be partners with the first choice person you want to be partners with and that's fine because your partner will change and then that's when we move on with life but yeah Yeah. it's worked out for me
0: that way oh no i i i don't doubt it and you know um i'm wondering if i should change things up but if they're gonna go with the flow with what i've already set up then well exactly yeah consistent. Be be consistent.
1: Inside. That's our chant, right? So once yeah. you decide your procedure, at least stick with it for a while till it's not working
0: anymore. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, um, instruments, one of yeah. my goals this week was that everybody would play some kind of instrument before it was the end of their week. Yeah. And, um, all right, let's talk about little instruments like small percussion with younger students. It could be older students too. Um, how do we go about passing out instruments okay so one of the first things that i did with kindergarten and first grade is a little chant um, called two little sausages where they have two sticks and they put one in the pan they put the other in the pan and the pan heats up and the sticks they they're playing the sticks little and it gets a little bit hotter in the pan and the sausages get a little, bit a little bit hotter, and 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 two little sausages frying in a pan. One went, pop, and they clicked their sticks together above their heads. And the other went, bam, and they set the sausages back down. Nice. And this is directly from Joe Kirk, Mrs. Joe, who uh-huh. is wonderful, wonderful. Um, and it's just a very in the land of make believe like, Ooh, I'm so hungry. It's breakfast time. Let's put down our pan. Let's turn up the heat. Uh so you get some vocal exploration and nice. they get excited cause they get to play their sticks and oh my goodness. Now I'm, a, I'm a, in a room with the hard floor and I'm using poly dots. Oh yeah. As that's the pan now because I used to do this just on carpet. Er. And day one in my new room, uh, yeah, I only did it once where I did not use poly dots and I had kids drumming on the floor with sticks. Oh it's my, so, <laughs> so my, my Apple watch, which is new to me. Cause I just got one as well. Um, it, it did that whole, it's too loud. This <laughs> environment is too loud. Warning, thing. warning, <laughs> warning, warning your ears. I'm like, yeah, I know. Oh, um, yeah. So, okay. So how did we pass them out? I set out the poly dot. We, we were in a circle. I set out the poly dots. I actually set them out by color. Like I let them pick their color. So I put them in like a rainbow order. Little pile of red, little pile, pile of yellow, little pile of orange, all that. Um, and the sticks were in a bucket. And I we just did it uh, where, cause everyone was using the same instrument, which I'm a big fan of, and I know you are too, yeah. where, you know, if, if one person plays rhythm sticks, we all play the rhythm sticks or we all play maracas. And so I just said, oh, if you are wearing shoes that don't have shoelaces, go get two sticks, go get a dot or a pan for your sausages and put them down have a seat with your hands on your knees. So initially, I'm having them sit and wait until everybody has an instrument. Ah, and so then, you're
1: not letting them explore the
0: sound right away? Not right away, not right now, because they don't know me yet, because yeah. we're not there yet. Yeah. That'll happen later. Initially, yeah. I want them, if they can handle it. Initially, I want them to practice putting everything down and waiting until everyone has it, then I give them noodle time where they play, 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 whatever they want. Yeah. And then I cut them off with just like a big old traditional conducting cut off and yeah. then they put everything down and they put their hands on their knees again. Um, so yeah, I know we've talked about before how I am a fan of letting kids noodle when they go, but since this is their first time with me, and since we're establishing these these things, um, I'm not doing that right now because I don't know how far they're going to take it. Yet.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. And with the older kids, we've actually had the discussion briefly about self-regulation mm-hmm. and we're doing second step, you know, we're doing, um, these kind of, um, second step training where they're talking about emotional regulation and just, you know, they're talking about being able to handle emotions and also being able to handle impulses and all of these wonderful SEL tenets. Yeah. So I put it in that context, like, let's get, like, we're going to practice our emotional, our, excuse me, self-regulation when you really want something, but you have to just hold back for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's how I do it with the little kids. Um, and with the big kids, we went to, uh, xylophones and metallophones today. And it was the same thing where I said, Uh, you get to pick right now, make eye contact with your first choice. We're all sitting down. Think about your first choice. You might not get your first choice. All right. So think about a second choice. That's good. And then inevitably a student will say, well, should we have a third choice? Is it couldn't hurt, you know, (laughs) you might want to have a third choice. And then I do call randomly like, oh, if, well, actually I was doing it by their dot color, if you're on a green dot, go to an instrument wait there in rest position right and so um that's how we did it with the orf instruments with the older kids yeah and those are the instruments that i have played oh no we played some drums too we played some tubanos and with that and that was for third grade and second grade um same thing i had tubanos set out Mm -hmm. and i had half the class play tubanos while the other half was moving around the room and um they went to a tubano they put their arms and Rest position, which is just crossed um, like King Tut, like a mummy. Yeah. And then I give them noodle time, and then away we go with what we're really playing.
1: I think the key to whatever instrument and whatever age is being very explicit about what rest position looks like. That's something that before they get the instrument. So for me, my first instrument go-to with K and one is always egg shakers because I'm like, they can't really break it. And I I very explicitly teach them not to throw it. But guess what? If one kid does throw it in the air, it's not going to break. Like start with the things that are very, very simple. And they also can't hurt themselves because they're round and there's no sharp pointy things, you know? So it's like this is how they're earning their trust to things that are a little more dangerous or scary. But before I give them, I demonstrate this is how we shake. And then I show them rest, which is like two hands cupping the egg like right in front of my my chest, you know. And it's like, oh, the egg is sleeping, you know, make it a little game. And then we might use the song, you know, oh, well, you walk walking, you you walk and you stop, but we'll change it yep. to shake and you shake and you shake and you stop. So, fighting little songs that teach them how when to play and when to stop and make it a game. Um, yeah, and then like you said, with older kids, whether it's sticks or mallets or bull markers or whatever, it's like before I give you this instrument, even if I am gonna let you noodle around, here's when you see this motion from me, this nonverbal signal, because I'm not going to shout over you while while you're exploring and playing, but when you see my sticks go on my shoulders, your sticks go on your shoulders. When you see my mallets go on my head like alien antennas, you do the same thing and find whatever cute thing works for you. But I think just being very explicit about rest solves a lot of issues. And not being afraid to take it away. I also, it's like day one, day two of playing instruments. If there's a kid messing around and I've given them one warning, second time I take it away. And not forever just for a couple minutes but boy it sets the tone of I mean business with instruments I mean business because we cannot have chaos and this is what kids want the most is to play those instruments most of them so I think that's a huge huge thing to hit in those first few days
0: yes totally oh. okay so we All right. talked about rest position within the context of instruments yeah. and then putting away the instruments it's just very similar to how we got them out it's the yeah. same thing
1: I just think, uh, what I want to make sure I communicate is, uh, that it's their, it's their music room too. And they need to be responsible for putting things away gently and nicely to not throw the instruments in the box, but we set them in gently, make sure the mallets go in the correct bucket, you know, and you, you, I remember you've used that tip in the past. Did you do it with this, um, school yet where you use like the washi tape on the bottom of the mallets that correspond to the certain barred instruments? Have you done that again?
0: I have not got, yeah, I want to, but I have not gotten it together. Like, I'm still, uh, there's still stuff on the wall that needs to go up because things are falling off of these cabinets. They will not hold stuff. Um, I think I need to get out the hot glue gun again. Anyway, so no, I have not gotten that far. But yes, I mean to do that. It just has not happened yet.
1: I just think that was a tip from David Rao, right? Like any of those tips where um, kids are responsible for for putting things away and taking care of the room as much as they can, stacking up the stools and chairs, you know, wherever they need to go, you know, that kind of stuff. Putting away music stands if you get those out. I
0: actually had fourth graders yesterday help put away tubanos because, um, yeah, because I I wasn't going to use them for the rest of the day. And I thought, you know what? They're doing so well. Let's just try it. and i opened up the cabinets because i designated specific cabinets that only hold tubanos and i said okay you you bring them over you hand them to me and i'll put them on the shelf yeah and it worked really well and i think that you know you're right it gives them ownership and they need to have that kind of responsibility
1: totally
0: okay what about attention getting signals Mm. especially you know it's it's we're we're noodling and maybe they don't see your nonverbal conducting cue or maybe there's been something where you know we're having fun we're playing a game of course it's going to get noisy that's expected but then we need to reel it back in so what do you do for attention getting
1: i'm a big fan of the countdown the five four three two one countdown and i sing it usually five four three two one and stop. And by the time I get to zero, they should be silent. And I like that because it gives them time to quiet down. You know, sometimes it's hard to stop immediately. Um, if it's a safety issue and I put my hand up and I say freeze, which I've been known to do, especially in kinder or first grade or heck, any grade for that matter, they know they're, that they have to freeze, like if there's some pandemonium going on. But in general, if they're just chattering and just bubbly, I sing five, four, three, two, one. Or if it's something where I know it's going to take them longer, I'll sing an I'll start at eight, and I'll go down to to zero from there. So that's kind of works for me because it gives them a verbal signal, or I mean, a a nonverbal signal where they see my hand counting down, but also I'm singing something and I'm getting something in their ear. and that, that's working really well. I, the kids that, so far that I've had um, at my school, they know by the time I get to zero, it should be silent. And if they're yes. not, then we're not ready to move on to the next thing. And that the next thing is something really amazing and exciting. At least I tell them that. <laughs> and so now they have to get real quiet so they know what's coming next. So yes. we practice that until they get that right.
0: Yeah, exactly. How about you? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's interesting how uh, once in a while on Facebook or different places on social media you'll see people say oh what kind of class signal are you using and you know you can use more than one because the kids learn these ones quickly you just have to have a couple you like Um, i am still a fan of the class yes where i say class and they say yes if you uh, if i say class please say yes the same way i say class 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 and they say yes, yes 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 class 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 is what I usually do and they'll say yes 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 you know and so I like that because I can sing it they'll sing it back it usually takes like two times and that's fine I understand that yes. so I, I use class yes um, I am not a fan of the ta-ta-ti-ti-ta clap but I get why people do it yeah um, another one that I've used a lot is a ago ame which is a Ganon, um from Ghana, a call and a response. Ago means, can I have your attention? And Ame means I'm with you. Um, this, when I was drumming um, for African, West African dance classes, that was something that we did a lot that I just kind of latched onto uh, that I've liked to do. And I haven't taught that one this year yet. We've just in class yes. I don't like pulling in a bunch of them at once, but eventually if they have two or three that they know that they can respond to, um, I think it just, it, it works really well. Just, um, you know, not yeah. too many. I'm not a fan of the real commercial ones. Like, I don't know what, what, whatever one of the, some of the ones, ones I've seen, like um,
1: Oh, I, I know. People
0: say red robin and the, the teacher will say red robin everyone goes yum you know yeah. some of those ones i'm like ah no one's paying me to advertise for them. Uh, it's too kitschy. that it's too cute it's a little too <laughs> kitschy so wow.
1: Um, yeah. I do understand changing it up, though, because if you'll, I've noticed that if I use the same thing, you know, too much, then then they start to tune it out. So definitely if it gets stale. For
0: sure. Yeah. And I get sick of hearing myself say it, honestly. I know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I've had one student say in the past, oh, when you sing that five, four, three, two, one, it's just so annoying. It's like, Ugh. oh, well, thanks for being honest. <laughs> Let me change that up. Not just for you, kid. But I, I do, I understand his point. Like, if you've heard it too many times, it's like oh okay I get it you know it's like your mom just calling your name too many times you know it's like I hear you let's move on you know so something
0: I used to do in choir that I should try again but I haven't taught choir for a really long time um, and I'm talking just elementary after school choir um, is that singing a pitch and having all the kids oh yeah in on that pitch yeah you know no works I'm well a... for adults
1: I've done that with adults for sure yeah and start that's doing an A or something and then all of a exactly. sudden exactly yeah yeah. All right. Let's talk about other signals. So like bathroom signal, Quest. I have a question signal, drink signal. Do you have specific signals that you teach your kids?
0: Yes, I do. I have them cross their fingers um, to ask to go to the restroom. Like, uh, When your fingers are crossed, your index finger and your middle finger, that is actually an R in sign language. R for restroom. And yeah. I tell them that. Like, here's an R for restroom, because I like to know the difference between can I go to the bathroom? And, Ooh, Miss Lejeune, I've got a question. Exactly. About something musical that we're doing. Um, and then for asking a question, it's raising a hand. I do not do a drink signal. I have had students in my room who will show me a W for water. And I'm like, "I, I know that you do that in your homeroom and that's nice, but we're not doing that.
1: Yeah. I have a drinking fountain in my room and I'm trying. And again, the older kids, especially they're used to just going over and getting a drink whenever. And I'm like, we got to put a stop to that. And I mean, it's hard because, you know, if a kid is coughing or something like that, or, you know, they need a drink, I understand that. But then you get the kids to start fake coughing because now they have to get a drink because they are coughing. And I'm like, okay and then I was coughing today so now I'm setting a bad example of here I am sipping my water bottle so why do I anyways I'm, I'm still honestly thinking through this procedure and trying to figure out what works well because in the past I've just told the kids no we're not getting drinks right now like unless you're seriously having some sort of a physical issue yeah. what you need a drink you'll be fine for you know 20 minutes without a drink like it's not well, that big I actually
0: have a sink and a water fountain in my new room as well and you
1: just aren't letting them go
0: you no know, you know what? No one has asked. Mm,
1: I know. See no they're all one asking brought it. Up. I think it's what I
0: think that it hasn't I think in the past the music teacher who was there before me, um, just did not that wasn't a thing. Yeah. So I think that's already been established. So no one has asked. If someone was really hacking, yes, of course I would let them I would I would say, Hey, go there for a drink. Um, but I don't wanna open that Pandora's box. Yeah if I don't have to. So I'm ignoring the water fountain. In fact, it's funny because I forget, I haven't had a sink ever. Yeah. And I forget that I have it. So I've actually left my room to go and wash my hands.
1: Yeah. And then I come back
0: and I go, oh yeah,
1: I have have that sink. Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah. I've had kids who are like, I need to wash my hands now. And I'm like, there's sanitizer right there. Get a pump of sanitizer. Like, Unless you're sticky or like visibly bloody or something like why you don't need to just randomly get up and wash your hands in the middle of class you know so i'm trying to put the kibosh on some of those things you know
0: yes oh and this isn't on our list but tissues here's my policy and i even have a slide in my first day uh in the music room you know slide deck i have a slide about hey do you need a tissue get a tissue but then we talk about well you don't have to raise a hand to go get a tissue take care of what you need to. But if I see there's a tissue convention yeah. forming on the That's side funny. Of the room, I call it the tissue party. <laughs> oh, it's a convention. It's a party, you know, depending. Then we'll have to change that. And so, yeah. you know, I just say, I want you to take care of what you need to take care of, like as far as tissues go. Yeah. So get up and get a tissue, but don't be going over there because you're trying to start a convention. You're yeah. not doing that.
1: Hey, let's go back to bathroom for a minute because I want you to talk about your light.
0: Oh, my light. All right. So I posted something on Instagram today. Um, It was actually the idea of my new art teacher. Well, I mean, she's not new. I'm the new one. But, you know, Um, it's a little push light that you get on Amazon. Uh, It's pretty small it's not one of those big push lights it's I don't know like four and a half inches across or something it's very bright but it sticks to the wall and I put it right next to the bathroom pass and so now our procedure is if you're going to the restroom you go over you grab the pass you push the light and it lights up and you leave the room and then when you come back you push the light again And that way anyone who wants to go to the restroom, they first have to glance over there and see if the light is on. And the thing is this light is really bright. If the light is on, do not ask because I noticed, um, earlier last week, uh, kids were still asking me when there was somebody who had already taken the pass. Now, part of this is because, and I don't know if this is, how true this is. Um, the students, one of the classes were saying that, well, our last music teacher let two girls and two boys go to the bathroom. Oh, too much. I said, I don't know if I believe you, but yeah. okay, uh, whatever. That's not happening. <laughs> one, yeah. One person, yeah. boy, girl, doesn't matter. Only one person, one pass to rule them all kids is what I said. Nice. So, um, yeah. And so having this light on, um, yeah. They 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 get that oh the lights on that means somebody's gone and I cannot take the pass yeah uh, yeah so.
1: I also want to mention my rules of when they can and can ask. I mean, in addition to that, one at a time, if the pass is gone, you shouldn't ask. I'm going to get a light. That's a good idea. But um, this is especially true for little ones that they've learned that you do not ask me unless we are playing a game, quote unquote. And then, you know, I I tell them anytime we're up and moving, that's a game. Anytime, you know, we're we're singing a song and doing a dance, that's a game. The time where it gets tricky is if it does involve partners and then they leave their partner and you have to. To reshuffle but in general if we're sitting and we're looking at the board you know that's not a good time to ask me to go so I just tell them ask when you play a game because I've had kids who are like I have to go you know right when I'm in the middle of you know presenting a new you know concept or whatever and it just totally interrupts the flow of what you're talking about and I tell them oh you got to ask during the next game and then we'll get up and we play a game five six minutes go by they don't ask and then as soon as we sit back down to do quote-unquote learning again they I ask again and i was like oh you were supposed to ask during that game so it's like obviously this kid just wants to get up when it's time to sit you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. um you know and obviously we don't want accidents in the music room so no. generally if a kid asks twice and they're really squirmy i'll i'll make that exception you know and just say remember next time i want you to wait for a game and that that has curbed a lot of that just asking randomly whenever
0: yes yes and generally you can i mean I say this, I have had kids who have wet their pants, you know, some, some who have never asked to go to the restroom and write what exactly. their pants. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just it's
1: yeah. Don't let feel that bad go. About it.
0: Don't feel bad about that. But I mean, of course, if a kid really has to go no matter when it is, I'm going to let them go. But yeah, it, you start to learn how to read. Okay. This kid really has to go or this kid just wants to have a party in the bathroom. Um, all by themselves maybe, yeah. but that's fine or not fine. And um, yeah, that's hard to read. But then another thing that I always keep in mind is if I'm seeing a lot of hands, asked to go to the bathroom and it it could be a cue to me that I'm talking too much.
1: Uh-huh, Yep. I kept so that.
0: So I gotta be honest with myself and go, all right, I don't think five kids need to go to the bathroom. Do Can I, Tanya, can you wrap it up because yeah. Maybe you've lost them, Yeah. right? Know, if like, everybody is like, do, 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 what can I do? I think I'll go to the bathroom. Then maybe it's not them. Maybe it's me. That's a good tip.
1: Move your yeah. pace along.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Yep.
1: All right. A couple more things. Um, turn and talk partners. I know this is something we've talked about in podcasts before that you have specific, um, turn and talk partners, right? Like yeah. elbow partners. But then you've yeah. also talked about having, I like this idea, a crosstown buddy. You want to talk
0: about that a little bit? Well, oh, crosstown buddy is someone you're not next to. And this is where you can go to that bestie that I put you away from yeah. and, and talk then. So yeah, sometimes we turn and talk, uh, to an elbow partner and sometimes it's a crosstown buddy. And then they get up and they just go to somebody else and find a crosstown buddy.
1: Is there a crosstown Um, buddy somebody specific that it's always that same person or that's just an indication you can go talk to anybody?
0: You can go talk to anybody. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, And then for that, it's really also important to practice having to signal. And mine is just a nonverbal. I raise my hand up. Other kids see me raising my hand up. They wrap it up. And just like you said, I don't want them to just stop cold. I want them to know, okay, this means wrap it up. So you stop saying, you know, you, you come to a conclusion and then other kids start raising their hand and then everybody starts, you know, until we're all silent. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen this in adult learning environments as well too. So yeah. Yeah. And that works really well. Mostly with, third fourth fifth grade it's a little more challenging with the, the the smaller ones it has to get a little more specific and my cue is not nonverbal it's verbal like to get them to refocus yeah yeah what about
1: you? Um, yeah, it's been, totally same thing. Yeah, like they have an assigned talk, turn and talk buddy, and then I also you know teach them um, you know as it comes up. Oh well, if your turn and talk partner is not here, then you become a triangle, a group of three here. You know, so like yeah. they they learn to problem solve that on their own. So I don't say okay, turn and talk to your partner. And Johnny's partner is not here today, so Johnny just stands there staring at me, looking at me, like what do I do? I teach them how to to, to solve that problem exactly. Um, but yeah, I started incorporating the crosstown buddy thing too, and I think that's great because it gets them up and moving too. Yeah. But then it also gives them that agency of who they want to go talk to, you know. Yes. Which is great. Okay. All right, and then wrapping it up, wrapping up your class, lining up at the end, do you have a, a special procedure for lining up or do you call kids
0: just by their color rows or with colors I do they're call wearing kids or by their what dot they're sitting on? Because usually yeah. by the end of the class Cause I'm working on my closure, you know, that's my, my weakness, um, that I'm trying to like sum it up very quickly. Sometimes my closure happens in line because I'm just going, Oh yeah. Closure. Uh, yeah. So I just have the red line dots. Um, are usually the first to line up. And I say, okay, these red dots, I'm connecting the dots. Here's an imaginary line. Zoop, we're going to line up on this imaginary line. So Mm -hmm. I line them up um, just according to colored dots. Now, if their classroom teacher wants them in a specific order, that's fine as long as I know about it. Uh, Like I had a fifth grade class today, and it's really nice because I can say, line up in your line order, and they just go.
1: Yeah. which is
0: one of the wonderful things about the older kids. Um, And then we're ready to go. And usually there's a line leader, but not always. And that person is going to be the one who's in charge of propping the door open. Um, I have a ramp that leads up to the music room because it's also the stage. Um, It's just not stairs. It's just a ramp uh, to lead to our elevated room. And they just go down the same ramp. And uh, easy peasy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I usually choose like line leader. I call them our musician of the day and I just choose somebody who, you know, was showing our classroom norms or did something really impressive or maybe won a specific game or something like that. And that's kind of another little incentive for kids and then line them up after that. But I'm very explicit about, you know, where we line up and like because I line them up along a wall of cabinets, but eventually those cabinets are going to be holding our word wall material. I've taught them from day one to not lean up against the cabinets, they need to take a step away from the cabinets. I should be able to walk in between you and the cabinets because I don't want them to get in the habit of leaning up against it. And now they're knocking off all of my posters when I've hung them up. So,
0: yeah,
1: I try to be very explicit about that.
0: Wonderful. And before we leave this main theme, Carrie, you have made an awesome, handy little spreadsheet where all of these procedures are listed and then there's a space for someone's specific plan and then a little checkbox of checking and when when you've taught it and then extra notes And you're going to give us a copy of it, right? I am.
1: I'm going to do like a forced copy thing. So when you click on it, it'll force a copy that'll be your own. And then you can add to it. You can, you know, add your own procedures. If there's things we didn't talk about, but you know are important to you, you can add on to it, Um, you know, and I know obviously you have multiple classes. so You kind of have to keep track of, I taught this procedure to this class on this date, whatever. But it's just a, a really good way to just at least organize your thinking and really make sure you're hitting all of those procedures in those first couple of weeks and if you've already passed your first couple of weeks of school and you're like oh shoot it's not too late you can still use this checklist never too late never yeah. too late to and teach where this. will we find this checklist oh hey guess what they'll be in our show notes which you can find by going to our website which is Music podcast.com. So now it is time for our segment we lovingly called Know Better, Do Better, where we talk about a practice or just an idea that we're thinking about to help our classroom be more inclusive and welcoming to all students. So Tanya, what would you like to mention?
0: Well, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about picture books in the music room and how we should be representing the students, uh, that we teach, but how we should really also make sure that we are giving those windows into other cultures by providing music, books, where students get to see how other children in the world live, play, look, all of those things. Um, And I found a really great article called Using Picture Books as a Tool for Creating a Culturally Inclusive Elementary Music Classroom. Uh, where the author talks about, okay, here's why we should do this. And here are some specific books and how you can extend them. And it's just a really great jumping off point. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about my students now, my new the new population, new to me population, and I know Carrie, you're in a similar boat, that I'm going from a um, more diverse population, in the school that i used to teach at and now the students that i'm teaching they're just very white i -hmm. mean they most of them the majority of them uh if you look at the little pie that is with our school demographics it's just mostly identified as white caucasian kids yeah and i was uh talking to my fourth graders because i we were playing hill and gully rider and then I played them a recording, uh, and it's a Jamaican folk song. So I was playing them a very reggae up recording of this song, and there's lots of versions of this, of this song that you can find. And so we listened to this, and I was asking the students about the, the music, and something that they said right away was, oh, well, there's some different sounds in there. It, it's got culture. One of the kids said, it's got culture. Interesting. And I said, oh, okay, well, I, tell me what you mean, and they were describing the sounds of the instruments that they were hearing, um, you know, some, some different sounding timbres and the drums and um, jangly guitars. And just because I'm mixing it up, I said, what do you think, do, do you have culture? And almost all of them shook their heads no. Wow, that's interesting. Well, it is interesting. And so it just made me think about, well, I think that, and, and this is just because of, this is because of how the world is, um, that I think they just grow up thinking that culture is somewhere else and that they're the norm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, you know, it, it's white supremacy really, um, but. Yeah, so I just want to make sure with this group of children across the board, you know, um, that I am, that their music, their arts, their culture is reflected back to them in a lot of places all over the place. It's the dominant culture. Yeah. And I want to make sure that they experience and see and hear other cultures besides their own. But I also want them to know that they do have culture and that maybe in their background, they have culture that is, is not the dominant culture. And maybe they, you know, don't know that yet. Anyway, it was just very interesting. And I thought, you know, I really gotta, I mean, you and I have both talked about how we really want to know better, do better. And it begins with representing who's in your classroom, but it goes beyond that in making sure that your students, when they do hear something that is very uncommon in their day-to-day, that they're not um, automatically laughing, giggling, making fun of. Right. Right. So anyway, um, this is a, there's Lots of musics that we've been pulling in and we've talked about some wonderful beginning of the year books, especially like all are welcome. Your name is a song and this article just gives a few more books that could also serve as an entryway in for students to look at other cultures.
1: Totally. And I want to give a shout out to a group. I just looked it up real quick while you were talking. Um, there's a Facebook group that I'm a part of. I don't know. I think you're in this, Tanya. It's called Diverse and Inclusive Books for Elementary Music Classrooms. Yes, I was going to mention that too. Yeah, that's. Yeah. A, it's a great group where people post books and recommendations. And I've, I've gotten a lot of books just from things people have recommended in this in this group. So definitely give that a search on your Facebook and join up with that group if you're looking for more
0: stuff too. Yes, and we'll have links to both the article by Gail Stevens and to that Facebook group.
1: Yeah, awesome.
0: And now it's time for our work smarter, not harder teacher tip. Carrie. Yeah. What smart thing do you
1: have? I have a well, specifically Google Drive, but I suppose this would work in any sort of electronic organization system. So you know how there are times where you have folders, and within those folders, you have things by grade level. So like, you might have your lesson plans, or you might have your yearly plans or something in a folder. And so you wanted to say, kindergarten, first grade, blah, 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 blah. But you know, since kindergarten starts with the letter K and the other ones are numbers, you know how it automatically will then pop kinder at the end? Do you know what I mean? Well,
0: yeah, I'm not gonna say it. You say it.
1: Okay. So I put uh, a zero I know what I do. I put a zero in front of the K.
0: Ooh. So
1: I know it's so silly. But I, I rename all of my things yeah. and I, I do it universally in all of my documents. So it always is the same, where I'll say zero, K, and then blah 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 blah. And then from there one, two, three, four, five. And that way it's always in order, kindergarten through fifth grade.
0: Oh, well that's smart. See, I never thought about doing a zero. I'm always just putting like an asterisk to make things go to the top
1: oh yeah well you could do that too but i like putting the zero because um, they are zero grade they're like a zero grade yeah i don't know it just and then i do it you know like i said consistently throughout all of my stuff so that it all looks the same and i my eyeballs now know to zone in on zero k and i know that's my kindergarten stuff awesome So now it's time for the Coda, where we each give a personal or professional recommendation, something we're enjoying either in or out of the music room. Tanya, what do you recommend? Yeah.
0: I'm actually going to go professional. Awesome. Um, yeah, so Jessica Grant at Afternoon Tea, which is a, a podcast um, that you should be listening to, so she, her latest podcast episode is called Organizing Your Google Drive. And many of the things that she mentioned are things that I already do, but then there were some some tips in there that were really handy. And I just wanted to say it's really worth a listen, especially if you can sit at your computer as you're listening and go, oh, okay. Oh, I can organize it. Oh, I can make this folder here. You know, it's just ve- it's very timely. Beginning of the school year, this is the time to get your ducks in a row or get your Googles in your drive, I guess. (laughs) Your Googles. (laughs) So yeah, so I suggest listening to Organizing Your Google Drive from the podcast Afternoon Tea by Jessica Grant. Good stuff.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed that one as well. And yeah, that's why I added my own little Google Drive tip today because I was inspired. So thanks, Jessica. Thank you. Um, mine is totally personal because I have been out of the music room and oh my, did I watch so much TV while I was at home with COVID. Um, so I'm going to recommend a show. It's not necessarily new. Um, it's American Crime Story, which I believe is on FX, but I watch it on Hulu. And this is one of those shows where each season is a totally different story. So the first season was about, um the assassination of Johnny Versace. And then the second season is about um, OJ Simpson. And the third season is all about uh, impeachment. So Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky, all of the stuff that ensued. And, you know, I have to say, being the age that I am, you know, all of that was going down in late high school early college when I was so engrossed with my own life that yeah I kind of knew this whole thing was happening but I didn't really understand some of the the details as far as kind of the why behind it other than it was salacious so it was uh you know a little bit on the not trashy but you know salacious that's the only word I can come up with like a little bit on the on the raunchy side as far as you know the subject matter but um but still really interesting so if you like that kind of thing and now I'm going back and I'm watching season two which is the OJ Simpson season again similar like I kind of knew what was going on but not really so it's kind of it's interesting to watch it as an adult and see all of that interesting stuff that happened back in the in the late 90s that was a time man I, yes
0: I remember I remember I saw it live the OJ Simpson when he was doing that very slow white car the chase. The white Bronco chase, yeah. The white exactly. Bronco chase. And I, that's, I mean, I had just graduated from college, and I made the decision right there that I was not going to follow that stuff. No. Because I knew this is going to be a whole huge thing, and it was mostly an anti-sports bias. Like, I was just like, no. I Well, I, I have, right. I don't want to know about, I, I don't. I'm not following this. And yeah, I remember the whole rigmarole, but I tuned out right after I saw that car chase.
1: Well, yeah, and that's what so much of the story is about, at least what I've seen so far in this specific season is what he was able to get away with early on because he was a famous sports star and he was not treated, you know, the same as others. So, um, yeah, it was it, it's interesting, um, but then, you know, it brings race into it and, you know, the LA race riots that were going on and there's yeah. there's just so much about it. So, anyways, if you like these true crime kind of things like I do and you haven't seen American Crime Story, I'm- hulu definitely give it a watch
0: sounds fascinating when if i get covid i will watch
1: that. there you go it was a good covid watch not gonna lie because you just it's one of those things where you just binge it and then it's like oh okay that's done Move it and, on. You, and you don't have to
0: be paying attention too hard and you won't be no. sad if you doze a little bit yeah okay
1: oh yeah i would doze off and then wake up and doze off and wake up but um you know you get the story you get the yeah. gist We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk.
0: If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee, so look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. Next time, we'll be talking about planning concerts, programs, and performances. Until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking.